um, there you go. Now you know. Um, so please take a moment as we hear God's word for us today. I just ask that maybe, you know, maybe of a Lectio type of way, would you put yourself in this scene? Would you close your eyes and hear the words of the story for us today? And wherever you find yourself, maybe you're watching from afar, maybe you're in the place of Christ, maybe you're in the place of uh, Peter and John, where do you find yourself in the story? What do you see and notice? What stands out to you? And so together, let us open our eyes, our mind, our body, heart, and soul as we hear God's word for us this morning. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church from the book of Acts. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon. And a man lame from birth was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Stephanie. Let's join together in prayer. Loving God, as we come to you this morning, we ask for your eyes to see us, to see the fullness of our story. And specifically today, we ask that you would see the parts of us that we try to often hide. The parts of us that refuse to look you in the eye because it's just too vulnerable. Lift our chin and set your loving gaze on us this morning. And I pray that as we feel deep in our soul being seen and seen as your beloved, we would move into this world to see all of your children with the dignity 
grace, the complexity, and the beauty that they hold. Open our eyes to you and to one another. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, at the beginning of our service, we um, watched this video that honestly is like, like I wrestle with and is um, interesting to think about. It was Brene Brown suggesting um, just kind of this choice that churches and communities have to make, that we can either be a place of hurt or a place of healing. And I think about this longing of what does it mean to be a church in this world as a place of healing? For many, the church has been nothing but the opposite, a place of hurt, a place of confusion, a place of shame, and for at, the, at its worst, a place of deep abuse. And so I wonder, I'm skeptical, but I'm hopeful that maybe, maybe there is such a way in which the spirit can be alive in a community and in a place that it can become a place of healing. And let me be clear, that is not a place of perfection. That is not a place where you don't bump into each other. That is not a place where all things go perfect and you hear things exactly the way you want to hear things and receive things exactly the way you want, but a place in which we heal, we rupture, repair, and heal again. That the long story of God's sacred community would be one of healing. And so before we dive into the story this morning, I wonder for all of us, as we hold this word and this idea of healing, before it gets complex and we start thinking, how does this theologically work? How does this work with our scientific knowledge now? How does healing even become a thing? Before we go there, I want you to do a practice for me. I want you to think of someone in your mind, a person in your story, that has represented a place of healing for you. Who is someone? What relationship has brought healing into part of your life? And as we walk through this passage, I encourage you to set their compassionate gaze, their embodiment of healing on you. May their gaze be a balm onto your wounds as we walk through God's word today. So what do we see in this passage? What do we see in this call to, for the church and for the community to be a place of healing in the world? Well, first, I think it starts with this. We, we see a deep connection of worship and compassion, a deep connection of what it means to worship and to do works of compassion and justice and movement in our world. The passage reads, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. 
At three o'clock in the afternoon, a man lame from birth was being carried in. People lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the beautiful gate so that he could ask for alms from those who were entering the temple. A connection of worship and compassion. This is the beginning of the church in all of its life. Every day at the hour of the prayer, the disciples continued to do what we learned their community did. They went and they prayed and they worshiped. This was a normal part of their everyday life. And as they're walking through the threshold into the temple, into the place of worship, they encounter a different type of worship. They encounter an embodied person who is dying and needing to be seen by this world. This should take us back to John 9, in which Jesus at this very gate healed a man who was born blind and then argued with those around him of who's, who did this, whose sin was this? Was it the man or his parents? And Jesus didn't respond or get trapped in that stupid conversation, but all he cared about was that this man who was once born blind has now been seen and sees. This is an ordinary moment in the day of literally walking towards a worship at three o'clock in the afternoon. This is not some grand project of healing for all the world in which all the great artists get together and sing some song to try to raise a bunch of money. This is not some massive thing in which the world was getting together to bring healing. It happened in ordinary, normal moments in life, in ordinary time this healing takes place. It happened in their normal everyday lives in which their eyes were open to the world that was around them. It is at this beautiful gate that becomes the very entrance into the sacred future for the church. As Dr. William James Jennings reminds us of the deep connection of worship and compassion and worship and the work of justice, he writes, at the door of worship are those whose very presence should discipline praise and guide hope. Before praises go up to God, the poor and the lame, the sick and the pain must be seen. Before praises go up to God, the poor and the lame, the sick and the pained must be seen. This man lay in the path towards praise, which is also the path the disciples are walking as they follow Jesus. This route was established by Jesus. This man is precisely the person Jesus will see and demands his disciples and his church see. Peter and John and all of us that have chose to follow this Christ find ourselves without an option, he writes. It is time to see with the eyes of Jesus. Our worship what we call worship is far beyond our building and our song and our praise. It is directly tied to the way in which we see in this world. We cannot separate them. They are bound and braided together. As Sarah Miles talks about 
her own in her book in her book in her own healing in her own conversion story she talks about walking into her local community her local church in san francisco and the moment of healing and conversion happened for her on a sunday morning when that the table that was used to serve communion a table of worship for wine and bread right after the service was transformed that same table into a table that became a food pantry for the hungry in the city. The two were directly connected. They were not separated. This man sits at the threshold of the temple, but he is the one that is inviting us into what true worship looks like. The worship of the prophets that we hear proclaimed. The worship that is in front of us every single day of our lives. How can we connect our call to compassion and justice directly to our call to worship? And I don't mean this just as an organization. How can we do more as an organization? My friends, I want you to hear this. I mean this in your ordinary everyday life. In your Monday morning, how can the way and the people in which you see and re respond to and set your it is not known for the books it's, it's written. It is not known for the sermons that it's preached. It is not known for how many people it can advertise and get in the door. It is known for the ways in which it sees others in the world and responds to them, sets its gaze upon them. This is the birth of the church. The sacred community, we also see in this story, this new community that is being born from following Christ, is here for the poor, the needy, and the oppressed. And it is, it is promising that they will not be overlooked. Paul, Peter looked intentionally at him, the passage says, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver, no gold. What I have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk, stand up and walk. When these disciples set their gaze upon this man, they offered him what the world may have been refusing to give. They offered him the deepest gift that we desire, that of dignity. They looked him in the face, in the eyes. They set their eyes upon him and said, look at us. We are not here for some type of economic exchange in which you can then know that we are the have and you are the have not. We are not here so that we can make ourselves feel better. We are here to see you eye to eye. Are we looking in the eyes of those and in our world that are often looked down upon or marginalized? Are we looking to those who are often unseen? 
Now, I won't lie, when it comes to preaching on anything that has to do with healing, it feels complex and weird. And there's just like all these different landmines that I could step on. And I feel aware of those because I have experienced those wounds in my own life. I've had moments where I have prayed for healing for, for days and seen nothing of it. I've had moments where I've prayed for healing and community and I've experienced it in my own wounds and trauma. And so as we come to the story of healing, we feel its complexity. But I think in some ways we get stuck because we stay kind of in the miraculous parts of it. And we don't realize that healing is an everyday thing in which we can move in together. That poem in our service, when I taught her how to tie her shoes, a teacher gently drawing her student aside and teaching her what she, for some reason, had never learned to simply tie her shoes was a moment of healing as profound as the one we see in this story. And it wasn't a healing both for that student. This isn't a healing just for this man that has sat at this gate again and again. It is a healing also for the healer. We leave these moments of intention, these gaze of when we look upon each other and see and love one another, we leave them both as healer and healed. It changes parts of who we are when we look each other in the eye with the gaze that Christ looked at this world. The truth is, in our world for the church right now, the displaced the refugee, those who are off the, the refugee, those who are set on the outside of the church, the brokenhearted, our LGBTQ brothers and sisters and siblings, are all of these people in our world, they are looking at the church and they are wondering, will we be seen by them? Will we be noticed? The disciples must be seen especially by those who are in need. It is, it is our community being seen by the communities and the people that are hurting and often overlooked. The question is, are we showing up so that we are seen by those who are in need? This is the beginning. This is the groundwork, the first love of this church community that it's walking into and it's flowing completely from the way in which Jesus moved through this world. Can we look at each other in the eye? Can we offer those everyday moments of healing, those simple words of encouragement, those ways in which we listen to each other? If you're wanting to be in the ministry of healing, then just begin with listening. Literally just listen for a long time. And I promise that healing will be part of that work in this world. As we seek to be a community of healing, we have to ask ourselves, are there stories of dancing in our church? 
Jumping up and down, he stood and began to walk. He entered into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Is there dancing happening in the church Are there stories of people who are being seen and known, given dignity and given love in a way that moves them to dancing? We often focus on the gift that the healer gives, but this passage ends in the most beautiful way, and we, we do not want to miss the richer gift in this story. That the the one who has been transformed and healed offers back to us all. And I don't even know if he physically had to be healed. But he was, and he was also seen. And the ways that this gift was received, he came back to the community that had walked by him. Some had carried him. We don't know the relationship of this man in this community. All we know is that he, of his unabashed gratitude, joy, liberation, and dancing in the community, stood in awe, a wonder, and amazement at his life transformed. Without shame, he danced in the presence of those as an act of worship. His story, his freedom, his struggle, his joy, it led the congregation in worship. And so how can these stories of healing lead us deeper into the worship that God desires of us all? In my imagination, I actually imagine this man as literally the very presence of Christ hidden and disguised, come and checking on his disciples that he had left. And here is this Christ who was not overlooked, but seen by Peter and John and continued to be seen again and again as the church lived out its true message and its true good news to the world. He sees this church following in his footsteps. The task is huge, my friends. The church right now and within our history has probably caused a lot more hurt than healing. But the story is not over. We, by following the very person of Christ, can open our eyes and our hearts to a world that has been sitting on the outside of the walls of power, religion, and normality. We can see them. We can care for them. We can listen to them. And may their dancing become our invitation into the very heart of God. Let's pray together. Loving God, within all of us, we carry wounds and pain 
We, we carry parts of us that deeply desires and needs your gaze, your touch, your seeing. Set your loving attention upon us all. And God, for those in the world, for those in this room that the church has deeply hurt and abused and forgotten, God, we grieve. We say directly to them, we are sorry. We want to hear your story. We want to see your dancing. For you are the ones leading us to the very heart of God. God, may your church not become some type of club, not become some type of place in which you need to look and be perfect to enter in, but may it be a place of healing. By your grace and your spirit, come, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, as we continue,